0: Welcome back to the Metal Exchange, Justin and Chris here with you for another episode. Uh, what can I say? Power Quest week is over, and we are celebrating July Fourth weekend by doing an album that is not in English. Chris, my man, how are you? <laughs> um, you said the magic word, weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um, this this is going to be fun. This comes in by request from one of our listeners, TJ. Uh, it's X Japan's Blue Blood album from 1989. I'm pretty sure we wouldn't have covered this if it wasn't for a request um although I do have some fun stories about this band so I'll, I'll share them when we get into it uh but before we get there, how was your week and did you listen to anything new and exciting uh I listened to power Quest all week no I'm just kidding <laughs> um
1: yeah a couple of uh a couple of new singles um Stradivarius uh dropped another single from their upcoming survive album called and the song's called world on fire and uh I got um like Kind of like the Nemesis era vibes from this one, which is one of probably my favorite uh, post Timo Tolkien's Stradivarius album. So I think that bodes well. I'm really excited about uh, this album. Have you had a chance to listen to the new
0: single? I haven't. I listened to the first one. I thought it was very good. I, if it isn't that Nemesis mold, I'm all in. I thought that that was, much like yourself, I thought it was the best uh, album post Timo And I'll say this. Having listened to them live again, and obviously enjoying that show a couple of weeks ago, it's kind of renewed my interest in the band. I, I'm not going to say that I hadn't been listening to them, but like they were kind of off the radar, and I've been listening to a bunch of new stuff. This is, you know, breathing new life into the band for me. So I'm, I'm very excited about the album.
1: Yeah, I've seen people that have said that like they actually prefer the post Timo Tulki era of Stradivarius, which. I mean, I can understand the band, considering that their, you know, main uh, creative head left, I feel like the band really kind of kept that, the the general feeling of the music, but while kind of giving it a new flavor and, and keeping the band interesting. And I think the fact that uh, Timo Cotipelto and Jens Johansson remained with the band kind of just, kept it, like, true to its roots uh, while still branching out, so it's, when you talk about, like, bands and, and a band like Hammerfall, where it's kind of gotten really stale, I feel like Stradivarius has avoided, uh, like, hitting that kind of stale uh, stale streak, so um, it's, it's cool to still be excited about their albums when, you know, they've, they've been around since the late 80s.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, it, it's, they've kept it I guess, uh, modern, Uh, if I'll say it, maybe that's the best way to do it. It's more of a modern power metal vibe with the nemesis type stuff. And, and and that first single that I heard, uh, but certainly staying true to its roots and its core sound, obviously with the keyboards and and Timo Coltipelto over the top. So good stuff. Good stuff. Um, anything else? Yeah. Um,
1: Charlotte Wessels, um, who, you know, ex, uh, vocalist from Delane, uh, announced that she'll be releasing, uh, her second, solo album tales from six feet under volume two and, and she dropped a uh, a new single called against all odds and um it was not a phil collins cover as i initially <laughs> would have assumed but it actually is this really nice um acoustic very like uh atmospheric almost indie rock kind of style song but um i mean i'm always happy to hear charlotte sing no matter what style she's singing in so i'm looking forward to hearing her uh her second solo album um i know she has a really strong following on patreon where a lot of these songs are released ahead of time where the fans can kind of get get their hands on the songs before the album is released and there's probably other stuff too that um doesn't make it onto the album so that i think that's pretty cool but um yeah, it's nice to see that uh, Charlotte's still out there doing stuff. And um, it sounds like Delane um, is, I guess they were asked to uh, join uh, join a, a festival lineup in Europe, so uh, which is coming up really soon. So it looks like we may be getting some insight into um, who's going to be in this reformed version of the band uh, sooner than later. And I'm very curious to, to both see who's... In the band, um, and also, um, you know, hear what what kind of style the band is going to go into uh, going forward. So it's uh, looking
0: forward to it. Yeah, I, I'm very curious as well. Um, the The little samples, I won't even say singles, because we don't know what they're going to do. But the little samples I've heard with. Kind of like the muted vocals over the top, it has me intrigued. I just have no idea what it's going to be. I, I, I know Charlotte has kind of gone into that alt rock sound, which is fine. It's just, uh, I mean, that's what her last album was like, and I'm, I'm not terribly surprised there. Delane sounds like it's going to try to stay true to its kind of roots in terms of their sound, but we, we we don't know. Time will tell, and I think that we'll have a lot more clarity certainly uh, over the next coming, you know, the next few months.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something that I am. Uh eagerly awaiting um because it's uh, they've they've always been a band that i've gravitated towards and um yeah being that martine is a uh you know has always been a big creative force behind the band i'm wondering if this is going to be more of a throwback to like the uh lucidity april rain days but where you know this was i think before charlotte was doing uh you know a portion of the songwriting so um
0: should be Here's should something. be interesting, and uh, I, I will. You know, I, I know. I said it when we did our Delane episode. I, I stand by the fact. I think April Rain is their best album. So anything that they can do that sounds like that, I'm going to be happy with. Not that I didn't enjoy the evolution. I thought obviously they, their sound has evolved um, over time, but I happen to be partial to, to that album and to that sound. So we'll, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. How about you? Did you uh, catch on to anything new?
0: Yeah, I got a, a couple of things actually. There's a band that came out with a new album. the The, the band is called Twenty Twenty, or otherwise MMXX, which is kind of you know the Roman numerals for twenty twenty. It was kind of a, uh, I, I guess, inspired by by the lockdown and everything that had gone on um, during the global pandemic. And it was basically a couple of guys out of Rome and a couple of guys out of New York City that got together and did this like melodic death metal not I should say melodic death metal, but more of like um, melancholic death metal uh, thing that's going on. I haven't heard the album. I don't even think it's out yet, but I did hear one song called This Breath Is Not My Breath, and it features um, the singer from Swallow the Sun, Miko. Who is a fantastic, fantastic vocalist. He, he does this one track, uh, which happens to be the first track. And then it's just a slew of who's who of interesting vocalists. You have Mick Moss from Antimatter. You have Carmelo Orlando from November, Dan Suano from, uh, Edge of Sanity, uh, Jan Leigner from Clone, and just a bunch of other singers as well. If you're into that like slow, almost catatonia esque, death metal style, this might be for you. I'll definitely post um, that one track during the week. I think it's really, 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 really well done. Uh, A second thing that I heard was a band, I believe out of Finland called Egress, E-G-R-E-S. They came out with an EP called Introspection and they kind of classify themselves as cinematic progressive metal. It really hit home. It had a fantastic singer, uh, female vocalist over the top of this you know, almost sabotage-esque prog metal type thing that they're doing. Uh, really, really well done. Nobody's talking about it. And and as of now, it's probably my EP of the year. So um, definitely worth checking that out. And uh, one other band I wanted to mention, I wasn't sure if I should put this up front or at the back end because they have just announced their intention to come out with a new album. But that is uh, Sweden's Bloodbath. These these guys are kind of a death metal super group that have been around for probably 25 years now. And although the lineup has changed uh, over time, the new uh, the new single that I heard was fantastic. It's called Zombie Inferno. And I have to say that even though it is true death metal, I think you would like it. It has enough um, melody to it that I think that you would really catch on to it and uh, they've had just like a who's who of artists over the years. Micah Ackerfeld from um, from Opeth. Uh, Dan Swano, who, as I mentioned earlier, uh, had, had been with the band for some time. Uh, per Erickson on guitar. It's just a who's who of, of, of band members with this band. And currently, uh, on lead vocals is Nick Holmes, who is the singer of Paradise Lost. So it's they, they just do whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. And for me to be talking about a death metal album for this long, I'm really excited to hear this. I, I'm, I'm going to definitely post this as well. A, it's a little bit out of our wheelhouse, but B, I think that you might actually appreciate this.
1: Cool. Um, yeah, I, I of those three, I have uh, gotten a chance to listen to one of the songs from the Egress uh, EP. And it's actually on um, one of the... Uh, playlist that I posted recently Um, but the other two I haven't heard yet so I look forward to uh, getting a
0: chance to to check those out. Nice Um, and with that let's get to the reason why we are here Blue Blood X Japan's album from April 21st 1989 by request Uh, apparently this album was the band's second release and at the time they weren't even called X Japan they were just called X which would be one of the tracks on the album as well had you had any exposure to this band or was this literally like your first time hearing anything by, by this band?
1: Um, You know, here and there, um, you know, I, I, of all the songs, the one that I think I heard the most was art of life, which is their like 29 minute song from 1993. And then I think I'd mentioned last week that uh, Kournai was something that I had heard um, damnation angels cover. Um, but, Beyond that, I mean, I wasn't super familiar with um, with the band. I just kind of understood that they were this, um, like, like I don't know if speed metal would be the right way to describe it, but just speedy kind of, like, power metal um, kind of style. But um, I had no idea that they went back to into the 80s. I, I kind of assumed that they were more, car- or more uh, modern. Um, so it, it was cool to kind of get a chance to to listen to these guys finally.
0: What's interesting to me is that this band is huge. I mean, absolutely huge uh, in Japan. And the reality is they've only recorded like five albums and and they haven't recorded really anything new since 1996. But yet like there's a, uh, there's like an allure or there's some sort of like underground um, cult like following for these guys where they're still able to play stadium shows or big big arena shows having really only recorded like I said five albums and nothing in the you know nothing of substance in the last you know since the millennium it, it, that's crazy to me but they 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 managed to do it and whenever they announce a show it is at a big venue and it is a big deal um I'll get to their New York City show that they played in 2014 a little later but I have to be honest before listening to this album and I listened to it quite a bit much like yourself I was very familiar with Art of Life the album or the song however you want to however you want to classify it Um, but other than that I really didn't know much from any of their other albums so this was the first time I kind of did a real deep dive into their music and it was really interesting because I didn't realize that stuff like this was coming out of Japan in the 80s Uh, yeah I I don't know that
1: I (laughs) <laughs> I don't know that I have anything to add to that. I was pretty much hit the nail on the head. I I, I have to say, I, I am, um, I was very shocked at w- finding out how popular this band was. When you told me that they played an arena show and it was like sold out, uh, or just jam packed, I was like, wow, um, that's kind of weird considering I don't know much of anything about this band. So, yeah,
0: yeah, it's, 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 it's wild, and they, like I said, they have this this following that just um, it's fascinating. And the story behind the band is crazy. They basically they they started in 1982, ultimately kind of broke up around 1998, got back together uh, just before I guess it was sometime around 2007, and have been together ever since. But again, have not gone really back into the studio to do anything. So it's it's kind of interesting, and and they blend a lot of different styles. You talk about the speedy power metal, I definitely hear that. But they definitely have this glam thing going on as well. I think there's a little bit of punk or thrash in their sound. It's kind of all over the map. And I think that that's what was so fascinating about this particular album. It seemed like every song was going in a different direction. Uh, and, and I just didn't know what was going to happen next. I, and I have to say, we've now covered probably close to 100 albums. This was by far the weirdest album that we've covered. Not, not just because I didn't understand a single word, but really because... It was just all over the place, and, and the only thing that would come to mind is something like Haggard, which was like also really kind of off the beaten path or what have you, but short of that, you kind of knew what you were getting for better or for, for worse. This, I had no idea, that first playthrough, what, I, what was going to happen next, and <laughs> some of the um, comparisons that I think I'm going to make very, very soon, I think you're going to laugh at because you would never think that some of these bands would be – Either influences of or ultimately influenced by uh, this album, so it's 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 definitely a unique experience.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I mean, like the vocals at times reminded me of certain things. There were songs that made me think of Halloween. There were songs that made me think of Deep Purple. Like it, it, it was um, really interesting. Um, the vocalist um, gives me. Like kind of reminds me of like a raspy Steve Perry, in in a lot of ways. Um, I believe his name is uh, Toshi. Um, I, I kind of like that they all go by like one name, which is kind of yeah 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 adds sure. to the mystique. Um, Vince, I feel like Vince McMahon would approve. He hates people that have last names. Ask, <laughs> ask Cesaro. Um, uh. But um, yeah, I, I definitely got a a Steve Perry kind of vibe, but like this more kind of raw, like raspy kind of, not as smooth, but you know, kind of more of a kind of like a Bruce Springsteen kind of rasp mixed with the 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 kind of um, that range of a Steve Perry. So,
0: yeah I don't know it's, if you've caught any of that. I, I did, I did. And I, I guess better no better time than now. Let's go through the lineup. It's Toshi on vocals, uh, Pada and Hide on guitars, uh Taiji and Yoshi on bass and Yoshiki on drums and piano. Uh Yoshiki is kind of the driving force behind the band. He is <laughs> self-described as the band leader. So he is, you know, credited with a lot of um a lot of the musical interludes that you'll hear on this album as well. And obviously Toshi on, on vocals who is, you know, the, the front man of this band, uh, They've had a ton of revolving door members especially in that early 80s period. I mean it was like one after the other with people just coming into the band and leaving. Are you going to name them all like I did with Power Quest? Absolutely <laughs> positively not. I'm not going to even bother attempting to do that. But it's fun. but 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 the, other than this revolving door of guys, you know, I mean the, the, I, I just think i would be remiss not to mention Taiji, the bass guitar player died in 2011 uh hide the the lead guitarist died in 1998 and they actually do tributes to both of these guys during their live shows because they were such an integral part of the band but the the foundation or the core of the band remains intact to this day from the from the early days of the early 80s
1: yeah i was kind of uh surprised to hear that um two of the members had passed away it's um a bummer to say the least but um yeah it sounds like uh Sounds like the band, you know, like you said, did, um, did some tributes and, uh, I, I my understanding is that there's, st- there's still, we're planning on releasing another album at some point. So,
0: um, might be something worth visiting. When- so then, obviously, it begs the question: What comes out first, this or the new Winter Sun album that I think everybody's been waiting for? So, your guess is as good a good as mine. But this is uh, Japan's answer to, to Winter Sun. We'll, it's we'll going to be Secret
1: Door number three, Chinese democracy part. two. <laughs>
0: yeah, God help yep. us all. Um, let's let's get right into it. Uh, the The album opens with a song called Prologue, otherwise known as World Anthem. This is like your standard fare. I feel like introduction for the time and could have easily been on like one of the Keeper of the Seven Keys albums in terms of the way they just structured it and it, before it gets into the title track. Um, anything, any thoughts on this thing? It was good, but just like kind of what you'd expect, like very kind of cookie cutter for me.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like, um, you know, how Halloween on those Keeper of the Seven Keys albums, which we talked about recently have both had that kind of like instrumental intro um, I was. Uh, it was interesting. I I, I read that. Um, th- it's actually a reworking of a Mahogany Rush song. Yeah. Um, called the world anthem, which was written by Frank Marino, who I only know because Halloween covered one of his songs on the Metal Jukebox album. Um, I, I'm going to do a quick Juggernaut was the uh, the name of the song, which I, I this uh, I didn't know. And Mahogany Rush is a band that I only know of because they're mentioned in Wayne's world when Wayne says I feel like I've been put in the delete bin of life like a like mahogany rush
0: <laughs> um,
1: so. I had no
0: idea this was a cover as well but I'm, I'm glad you brought that up it's um I shouldn't say a cover but we'll say heavily inspired by really interesting stuff um they they go into this opening track blue blood and I couldn't believe it, but you know, I was trying to put like the time together and everything else. My immediate thoughts were this were Blind Guardian. It has that really heavy speed metal guitar riff at the beginning with the drums underneath. And although the vocal style is obviously not, you know, Hansi Kirsch, it has such a strong early German power metal vibe to it with just a touch of thrash. Um, really, really interesting start uh, to, to the album and, and kind of different from. What would come afterwards? Because this song is really fast and really, really heavy.
1: Yeah, I've, I I kind of wish that this was the entrance music for um, Lord Stephen Regal and Squire Dave Taylor and uh, <laughs> and uh,
0: but it was at the uh, Earl 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 Bobby, Bobby. Eden. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> Why I know that? Don't ask. But yes, the the Duke uh, of Earl Bobby Eden. Yeah. Um,
1: this is definitely a like guns a blazing uh, opening track, just like where this was what I was expecting the band to sound like right off the, the bat. Um, just very energetic. I definitely get like that opening kind of guitar intro is, is very, um, blind guardian esque. So I totally hear you there. Um, but yeah, this is so like, this is kind of my real like introduction to really, really listening to this band. And, and I wanted to listen to this album at least one more time, but, um, in the middle of the week, I got a, migraine and it just didn't feel like listening to anything. So I, I would, I think I felt like I would have been well-served listening to this album at least one more time. But, um, I like this a lot. Um, just it's full of energy. And I feel like they're. you know, you have to remember this came out in 1989. I feel like you didn't really have a lot of, um, a lot of music that sounded like this at the time. I mean, definitely Halloween comes to mind. um, but it has a little bit more it feels like it has more uh, music like techni technicianship, if that's a word than like your your iron maidens and your queensreichs of the time. um th- there's more of that kind of uh, I don't know how you want to say it, but I don't know. it's kind of like there's a little bit of progressive elements that are married with the kind of a speedy power metal kind of thing and and that's why like initially. Uh, I thought of Halloween when I first started listening to this.
0: Yeah, I I definitely hear that, and I don't know if it's because of like the layered approach that they kind of use to to lay these tracks down or what have you. But there's there's definitely more to it than you know, seventh son of a seventh son that would, had come out the year before or something like that. There's it's just more it's it's denser for sure. Um, we get to the next track, weekend. I'll let you have the floor with this one. What are your thoughts on this? Because I, I, I have, I have thoughts.
1: I didn't know anybody enjoyed the weekend quite nearly <laughs> as much as I do, but you know, X Japan has given me a run for my money here. Um, it's a good song. Uh, the, obviously, the um, the chorus is a little repetitive because it's literally the word weekend repeated over and over again, and I, which I believe is the only English word. In the song um, it's also two words um, so it's more of like a weekend <laughs> week um, but again this is kind of similar to the first track in that like um, it there's a lot of um, a lot of space for the the guitar work to kind of shine through the solos and what have you you know it's a, it's it's a little repetitive and some of these songs um, I, I, orgasm is another one that kind of has this like repeating chorus kind of vibe. Um, but a good song. I don't know that I like it as much as the first, uh, the first track or the, I should say the first full length song,
0: um, Blue Blood,
1: but um, solid, you know, solid song.
0: I hated this song, the first <laughs> like three times that I listened to it, I couldn't wait for it to be over. Love you, love working, and you. Won't oh God, it. do I love the weekdays? And then I hear this, <laughs> this. It's like the, it's got this mid-paced sound to it. The verses are very catchy. The chorus, to your point, is extremely repetitive, and, and in my opinion, the song is about two minutes too long. Like they could have just chopped off two minutes at the end, and it probably would have been tighter. And then something happened on Thursday. I don't know what it was but I listened to this song. I'm like, you know closer something to the weekend. <laughs> it, I got, it got closer to the weekend and I'm like, I kind of like this. <laughs> and then I listened to it again at the gym this morning. I'm like, there's like a subtle brilliance here and I can't even explain it. And now it's going to be my song of the week. I can't get this wow. thing out of my head. I'm not, it's not my favorite song. It's not the best song, quote unquote, but it is my song of the week because I want it's people weekend, to listen to this. Yes, absolutely. It's, it, it was ju- there was just something about it that really grew on me. And like, I don't know. I should hate this track. I did hate this track and now all of a sudden it's my song of the week. I can't stop. I I have to hear it again and I think everyone else should too. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this this is, again or this and orgasm I think were the two songs that just kept maybe just the repetition but um, just they were the ones that would get stuck in my head uh, throughout the week but um, like the beginning of the song is um, has kind of like a I don't know if it deep purples the right band but kind of like a like a 70s kind of um, hard rock intro yeah but then like it just gets into like you know the fast guitars in between the verses and the, and the chorus and what have you so yeah i mean i i i'm not really uh i'm not really terribly surprised that you chose this for <laughs> song of the weekend so
0: <laughs> uh easy fight rambling really cool name and it almost has like this scat like vibe to it uh it has an awesome like guitar solo about midway through this, like slow sustained guitar solo, and is definitely different from the first two tracks. I couldn't help but think Van Halen when I heard this.
1: I, I really like the the way that it comes in with the the drums, like yeah, like this really kind of like um, staccato drum, like just to get the the ball rolling, and then the guitars come in, and um, this is uh, another cool song it's 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 just like high energy music like it's um i mean coming like off of talking about power quest for a whole week like it's kind of in that vein um it's just the kind of thing that if you need kind of something to pick you up or you want to just tap your foot and just listen to something that you kind of want to like snap along to and it's yeah really infectious kind of uh kind of you know beat to it um and this is just another song that I think is in that, that style. Um, you know, they do have like some slower songs that we'll get to, but um, again, like more showing off like the, the guitar work and um, this one has maybe like a little bit, I don't know if it's like a bluesy or a jazzy kind of. Thing going on, um, it's a little less aggressive as the last two songs. Yeah, and I, I, I think
0: at- is a good a good word for it. It definitely has that like, uh, I I don't want to say Jimmy Page ish guitar, but like it has that blues style, almost like a Chuck Berry type of thing, more so than it has, you know, like a power metal type of thing, which quite frankly, I think is a big contrast to X because that track just screams Halloween. And when I hear Halloween, I'm not even talking keepers. To me, this is like Walls of Jericho because it has this thrashiness to it with that double bass uh, and that riff at the beginning. This song is like may as well have been taken off of Walls of Jericho. And it's a really good pick me up after the scattiness of the the last track. I actually enjoy this track a lot more than i should x um it has this little catchy bridge and and even though i have no idea what the lyrics are i would love to know what the translation is because it's just like this big almost like arena rocker type of thing going on that i just really really liked when i saw them live they did not play this but this would probably be the one song that i would have loved to have heard live that i that i didn't get a chance to hear Yeah, I believe the song was um, an ode to X-Pac. Actually, you know what? I stand corrected. They did play this live, and I completely forgot. They played it as one of the encores. I stand corrected. I didn't remember it, but uh, I have to go try to find a video on YouTube. It's pretty fascinating.
1: Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, there's, like, in the middle, there's, like, a very Halloween-ish kind of, like, you know... um, kind of like an acoustic guitar strum going on. Like it kind Mm -hmm. of goes down. Um, The guitar kind of reminds me a little bit of future world. Um, This is a very cool, very cool song. Um, I, uh, I like this one uh, quite a bit. It's one of my, one of my favorites, I would say. Um, And just like, just really, really thrashy, really, uh, really just kind of fun, fun to listen to.
0: It's, This is kind of like the end of the midway point of the album because Endless Rain kind of kicks off the second half. And this is definitely an epic ballad. And I think it's one of their most famous tracks. It is an absolute monster, believe it or not, of a live song. It's that beautiful piano intro. And I wonder if you heard what I heard. Does it remind you of anything in that beginning? Just the piano intro at the beginning.
1: Um, I'll only listen to it just to jog my... I'll give you a hint. Yeah, it reminds me of – yeah, this – this I thought of this when I was listening to it. It
0: reminded me of um, Land of the Miracle by Ed Guy. Okay. That is not what I was going to say. How about All That I Bleed by Sabotage?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um,
0: It it was really, really like – it just hit me like a ton of bricks w- w- this week. This track is so good and it's so well written and it's something about that chorus which is just absolutely perfect. In terms of like best song, not my song of the week, this is the best song on the album and I can understand why it was such a big hit for them. Um, they, they they really hit a home run with this one kind of and they just kind of threw it into the middle of the album.
1: Yeah, um, I think that you really for the first time on the album – really get like a flavor for the the vocals because they're more on display here because the the guitars aren't going ape shit and the the drums are flying around and stuff so you really get to hear um Toshi's voice like like really shine through and and you really can I I at least really hear that kind of raspy Steve Perry thing going on here and um I I laughed because um on the wikipedia entry the review for this album from rolling stone
0: was november rain minus the bullshit yeah i i you know something i think that i I didn't see that that's absolutely right and there's there's a definitely a guns and roses comparison there but without like the, the 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 Axl Rose fluff and it's just to the point and it's just a really good song. I, I, compl- I think that, I think that's actually very, very on point.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's simple, but effective reviewing right there. Um, there you go. And I think it was well placed. Like there were three, like really uh, like heavy songs or three or f- three or four. I forgot what we're up to at this point. Um, Yeah. Three or four. Yeah. Four, like really meaty, like thrashy kind of heavy songs. And then, um, and then we kind of have a little bit of uh, a little chill time, you know, a little endless rain, and to you know take it down a little bit, light some candles, you know. Um, but yeah, really nicely done, really nice power ballad, and um, lead up to um,
0: with what I assume is their most well-known song from this album, "Kurunai." It's either that or blue. It's either that or or, or endless rain. I I'll say this about Kurunai interesting choice of of covers for damnation angels i think i like the damnation angels version better but only because i've heard it first although i can appreciate what they were doing with with the x japan's version of it um it starts off so slow and ballad like but then it picks up nicely it's a well-constructed song definitely a fist pumper um it's it's interesting to me because i it's Every time I listen to this version, I keep thinking of of the of what I heard the first time, and it's hard for me to kind of like reconcile the two because they are very very different. And Damnation Angels is obviously, uh, you know, a very very different power metal band out of the UK. But there's something about it that's very charming, and i i like I like the original. I just happen to like the cover version better. I wonder if I would have that same feeling if I listened to them in reverse.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the the Damnation Angels version is more polished. It came out, you know, a while after this. Um, And and Pelike just has such smooth vocals, um, so it's a little bit different of a a vocal style. Um, I kind of, after listening to it a few times, kind of started to see it as its own entity and not... Of you know, not something like that. I heard another band do first, which it's interesting when that happens. Like, you know, it's like I, we mentioned Reckoning Day by Megadeth last week and Power Quest covering it. I think I've heard the Power Quest version more times than the Megadeth version. Um, so I think like hearing the Megadeth version is the weird outlying version. Oh, of that's too. Funny. Yeah. Um, so I could totally understand how you would feel about this after hearing you know that and not to mention that was on a Damnation angels album that was like reviewed by many as one of their favorite albums that year that was just an excellent excellent uh album i, I think it was their debut their at least their first full-length album i think yeah. they had an ep with the different vocalist at first and i think we should talk about that album at some point because it's been a while since i've gone back and listened to that that's a, a classic but um this is cool. Um, the solo, the guitar solos, again, kind of, kind of give me that Halloween kind of vibe. But I like the like just the franticness of the of the vocal lines and stuff. It just um, it starts out like very chill for like the first two minutes, and then it, it goes off the rails. Kicks in, but I will say one of the things I did notice um, again going back to Halloween is that. Um, at the the points where the bass lines are, are, are really noticeable and, and when it this song goes from the kind of mellow part and starts to get fast you hear like this um pronounced kind of bass solo leading into it and it, i thought of marcus graskoff like right off the bat like it was such a similar kind of vibe and i know it's like how do you differentiate bass players uh, but I, it's such like a a kind of like grounded instrument where there's not a lot of experimentation and, and what have you. Um, I don't know. It just kind of gave me that sort of vibe, but uh, this, yeah, this is a really cool song. Um, definitely. I would, can.
0: I imagine it's a, a absolute staple on their live set. It is. Uh, I saw it and it was fantastic. And like I said, at the time between that, they played that and they played parts of uh, art of life and, between the two of them it was you know obviously the highlights of the show insofar as it was the songs that i knew the best but you know they they played endless rain i they played uh x which i obviously forgot and then you know other songs as well which you 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 may know rusty nail that was another track that they um that they played from the dolly album i don't know if you, you might not know that you know it but you might know it um I'll I'll talk about the live show at the end, but to make a long story short, it was definitely a, a highlight of the show for me because I was so familiar with it.
1: I have to wonder, like, how many other bands I know have covered songs by X Japan? And I just didn't realize. I yeah. just just assumed that it, you know that that Pretty Made song was a
0: Hammerfall song for
1: <laughs> 15 years and that kind of deal. So, uh,
0: yeah uh exclamation is a instrumental with some real you, you mentioned the bass lines this is a song with some fantastic bass lines i lo- i really enjoyed that part of it um it's a little uh, i don't know i guess it has like this tribal drumming in the beginning and then it gives way to this like classic 80s guitar tone um i don't love this track it kind of reminds me of something that would have been on an old joe satriani album it just didn't really do very much for me so i i don't really have much to say about it it was kind of just a filler track
1: yeah, the intro definitely uh gave me some Ingve kind of vibes yeah. to it. But then it yeah. kind of goes into like this real funky kind of thing in in the middle. Um you know, I, it's it's cool. It's a cool kind of just um a little bit of a a a what do you call it? Um platform for the other instruments to kind of shine uh without vocals. But um it, it's clearly a lead into um I guess it's it's the foreplay, if you will, <laughs> or the orgasm.
0: Exactly, which is another short tune. So I guess it didn't take very long. But this has this very punky thrash thing going on. Uh, I, 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 of all the tracks on the album, I think this was one of the hardest ones for me to digest. It's like short. It's direct. It's to the point, and it definitely packs a punch. But then, like the next thing you know, it's over, and it's just like. I don't know. I there's something about it that I that didn't click with me, but a lot of people love this track. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it was actually the first um or one of the actual singles for for it um but I could be wrong about that.
1: Uh yeah, it's I mean, it's like a blink and you miss it kind of orgasm. Like it's <laughs> it's um very fast, very energetic. Um I I think that the um the like the repetitive chorus that I mentioned earlier, like it kind of gets stuck in your head just as a, you know, you hear anything repeated that many times and (laughs) you're probably going to get it stuck in your head. But, um, weekend. Yeah. Weekend. Um, I I like this one. I mean, it's not my favorite, but, um, I think it's like a little bit too short to even like make a, a real big impression as far as like best song. But, um, it's cool. It's just uh, kind of just this, like, really fast and, and uh, energetic kind of kind of tune. So, um, yeah, good stuff. I liked it.
0: Celebration is another one of those, like, party-type tunes. And, again, I think the, the Van Halen vibe is strong here as well. Everything down to, like, the singer's vocal inflection and the riff during the chorus, it, to me, it just screams, like, something that you would hear on one of those first two or three Van Halen albums. Um, very fun party tune. I like this one a lot. Um, I enjoyed it every time I heard it. Yeah. This
1: is the song that gave me big, deep purple vibes um, okay. at the beginning of it. It reminded me of um, Highway Star. Nice. Um, but uh, my favorite part of the song is that they sing celebration with five syllables instead of four. It's celebrate. Uh, I, 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 how do I do it? Uh c- celebration uh, <laughs> and i'm like I, I, I had to stop and like i'm like wait did they add an extra syllable to that word um it's but, a good um, word so you want to drag it out as long as you possibly can I yeah mean, it's just, yeah it's like a three-day weekend um <laughs> In all serious though in seriousness though, um it's just kind of a fun song. I, and I like that it has kind of that deep purple kind of vibe and the, I think the chorus is super catchy. Um yeah, uh, this is a cool song. I, I, I think I will, I'm going to make this my song of the week as a matter of fact.
0: Nice, nice. I thought, believe it or not, and, 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 and I think it's an excellent choice. I thought you were going to go with Rose of Pain because the, the, this penultimate track has this build, like, epic quality to it that kind of reminds me of Keeper of the Seven Keys. And I thought you were going to choose this one. If I was going to bet money, if I was a betting man, I thought you were going to choose Rose of Pain. It has like a, like a neoclassical style to it. Um, very emotional, even though I have no idea what the concept is, but I, I think that the title is probably pretty telling. Um and then about eight minutes in, there are these screams, and I have no idea what's like going on at that point. And then it kind of gets really, really good again at the end. Very melodic, awesome guitar solo. This was one of my favorite tracks, and and it's kind of buried at the end of the disc, but it's it's a very good, very good tune.
1: Yeah, I think you had mentioned that like earlier about like it might not be the song of the week, but it's the best song on the album. This I think yeah. is the, the best song on the album. Um, you know, we talk about all the time about like long tracks that don't feel long. And this is, this is in that category. Cause it's an almost 12 minute song, but uh, much like I, I think Keeper of the Seven Keys is a great uh, comparison point because it, it's about the same length. It's probably a little bit shorter, but um, there's just lots of different elements and, and tempo changes. And um great guitar solos and uh this is this is a really good song I just, uh, I just celebration just because of the kind of funness <laughs> of it all kind of, I gravitated a little bit more just towards that. And, and again, just that kind of, uh, especially early on in the song, that deep purple, ish kind of vibe, but yeah, this, this song is excellent. Uh, Rose of pain, um, really good. And I could definitely understand why you would, uh, bet on that being my song of the week without knowing. So I close. close. Actually, I really, I, I, I'll I'll just kind of finish this off here. I really like the last song, unfinished. Um, really? Yeah, just a really nice kind of way to cap things off in like a, a nice kind of chill ballady kind of way. Um, kind of reminded me of um, Hammerfall's debut album in that they finished the album with a, a ballad, which not not really a lot of uh, heavy metal bands will do. I think it's bold, kind of a bold move. But um, I think this is a uh, a fine choice to kind of wrap things up. Um, you know, along with Endless Rain, I think it, it makes for two really solid um, kind of power ballad type songs. So uh,
0: how about you? What, what were your thoughts on this one? I thought it was a little anticlimactic because I did enjoy Rose of Pain so much, but I thought the strings provided a nice touch. And, you know, I'm a sucker for like that it's very heavy on the piano sound, and to that end, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I don't know that it leaves you wanting more per se. I might have actually flipped this in Rose of pain, but I can certainly understand why they put unfinished at the end, given the way the song was constructed. So, uh, a, a, a good, if not a, a great, outro. So, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, I'll just say a couple of words about that live show. I had been asked. This is back in October of 2014. It was Comic Con weekend, and X-Japan was playing MSG, Madison Square Garden. The Madison Square Garden is obviously a world-famous arena. It holds close to 20,000 people. And a couple of, I guess, months prior, um, Milton from Prog Power said that X-Japan was going to be playing uh, MSG in October, and if I had any interest in going. And I said... Sure, I, I, I'd be very curious to see what this was because if a band like X Japan was playing MSG, they must be a phenomenal live band because it just didn't make sense to me. Like n- nobody was talking about this band. Was and the they show were on a not- weekend? It was a Saturday night, so okay, I think yeah. that that explains everything. Um, it was fascinating to me. So we get to the venue and we had seats. I don't remember where they were, but as we walked in, an usher kind of grabs us. And I have no idea why, but he basically just hands us floor passes. So we, instead of sitting in whatever section we were Get sitting the, in, the up, bully Joel treatment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so we go down to the floor and we walk practically up, you know, maybe seven or eight rows from the stage. And we proceed to watch the entire floor uh, show from the floor. It was not sold out, but the place was jam packed with people and it was just one of the most incredible live shows i have ever seen in how terms much, of the, how
1: much were tickets i'm curious like what they would charge for a show like that it's just I so it, out
0: there for me like i forget but it was pretty expensive because again it was like a one off show they may have played a show in california that, like a prior to this but it was not a tour it was like a one or two show thing i think they were doing something at comic con i don't quite know what it was but then they bounced over and and did their their show at x japan there was no opening act they played for like two and a half hours or or something like that and it was it was one of the most like i said they were they were you know in, in typical new japan fashion there was confetti in the crowd and bright lights and and the screens behind the stage when they did the tributes to the fallen members it was just so well done and i've seen some pretty elaborate live shows with like Kiss and stuff like that, and this blew it out of the water. It's probably the best live show I've ever seen. Not my favorite concert or anything like that. I'm not going to say that, but just in terms of like the aesthetic, it was the, it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, I I think of like Kiss the way you describe that, where it's almost like half of the concert is the
0: visual aspect. Yes. Yes, and 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 to be honest with you, that's why I went to see Kiss a couple of years ago because I felt like I needed to see that performance. It was similar with this except they did a better job just because I think the music is a thousand times better than Kiss. But like it was really, really interesting and I won't bore you with many more details but I encourage everyone, go on YouTube, check out some of their live shows because you'll be thoroughly impressed. Even if the music is like lukewarm for you, the live shows make it much, much better.
1: Cool. Yeah, that's, that's cool. And this definitely got me to wanting to check out. And what's fun about a band that, that's been around for this long is usually you're like completely overwhelmed by the amount of material there would be, but. This band only has like think like you said
0: five full length albums or six. And they're albums. short. you can yeah. bang them out in one day if you wanted to. I mean, like they're yeah. not. They're Although not I will
1: different. say, this was a pretty meaty album. This came in at about sixty five minutes. Um, it's yeah, true. true. I, I was surprised. I think the first time I listened to it, I went to look where I was at, and I was like, oh, I'm only like halfway through. Uh, it's 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 meaty. Um, yeah,
0: because some of the songs probably went on a little too long, like I said. But they they could have they could have cut some of this stuff. But at the end of the day. It was a very interesting listen, and I totally appreciate the request because it was not on my radar of bands that we should talk about.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's a good thing that we did. Um, And and as we mentioned before, this was a uh, a request from a fan of the show and a friend of ours, TJ DeSalvo, and uh, he had a few things he wanted to say about this album. Uh, He said, Blue Blood has been a favorite album of mine since I first heard it when I was 16. To me, it's an embodiment of everything I love about power metal, high energy, emotionally charged songwriting, and incredible musicianship. Under the leader of Yoshiki, who has been a student of music theory and composition since the age of four, the band's music introduced classical and symphonic elements in songs like Kuranai, Endless Rain, and Rose of Pain, nearly a decade before bands like Nightwish were attempting anything similar in Europe. The band also seemed adept at writing nearly any type of song they attempted, from blisteringly fast songs like X or Blue Blood, which wouldn't sound out of place on an early Blind Guardian album, mid-tempo rockers like Weekend, and ballads like Endless Rain. Moreover, as musicians, the band is second to none. In addition to being a world-class songwriter, Yoshiki has serious claim to the thrones of both the greatest drummer and pianist in metal, and the rest of the band are no slouches on their instruments either. I could go on, but I'll keep it short. In all, Blue Blood is a perfect storm of power metal excellence, and X-Japan has more than earned their place as not only one of the greatest Japanese metal bands, but amazingly one of the best-selling bands in all of Asia. I'm still amazed that a symphonic power metal band can lay claim to one of the most successful Asian bands of all time. Choosing a favorite song from this album is difficult, but gun to head, it would be Rose of Pain. It's almost an embodiment of the band as a whole, beautiful symphonic arrangements drawing from Bach's Fugue and G. Minor, no less, leading into an emotional, heavy-hitting, mid-tempo section, which eventually transitions into one of the most intense and fast-paced moments on the entire album. It's a song that gives me chills whenever I hear it, and gives hints of what the band would later do on Art of Life, which to me is one of the greatest symphonic power metal albums ever made. So, very well said by TJ. Um, definitely uh, better than anything either one of us had just said. But um, thank you again for the request, and, and we do uh, we do wish that um, everybody continues sending their requests as we make our way through the list. It's gotten a lot of... Uh, you know, a lot of praise over the years, Rolling Stone, Japan ranked it the 15th greatest Japanese rock album of all time. Um, Yeah. Which I like went, I had to go look at the rest of the list and like, I legit never heard of anybody that's on that list. I mean, the Japanese rock scene there, uh, there must be so much cool stuff that we just have like zero clue about. Um, Right. Right. I don't know how many of those bands would be considered kind of just a, you know, straight up rock or heavy metal, but, um, it, it's, it's fascinating. I've found in the later years that I'm really kind of gravitating towards, um, you know, more modern Japanese metal bands. Um, you know, uh, we saw, who did we see at Prague power? Um, a couple of years ago. Uh, Galnerius. Yeah. Galnarius. they put on a hell of a show and, and got quite the, um, quite the welcome from the American crowd. I believe they were the, I'm almost positive. They were the first, and up to this point only Japanese band to play at Prague power. And another band uh, love bites is another band that I've gotten really, really into since I discovered them. Shout out to Jeff Taft who put them on my radar. Uh, big fan of that. So, um, a- a- and it was interesting. Like, I think that, and tell me if you agree, if, if maybe I was able to understand the lyrics, I think I might've been able to enjoy this even more than I did. It's just that you kind of lose that connection to what the songs are about, at, you know, beyond the one word of orgasm or celebration or weekend, um, which, you know, I guess it lets you fill in the blanks and decide what you want those songs to mean. And if you're lucky,
0: you can roll all three of those into one full outing. Um <laughs> I, I, I that that's actually very funny. I I think that that took something away f- for me because uh, let's be honest, wh- when it comes and I, I think I had mentioned this to you earlier in the week. I had actually told you I want you to pick a Windrose album at some point for us to do because I just can't get into this band. And maybe it's because I know what the lyrical content is, and I don't feel like I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons. So like for me, like that actually takes me out of it a little bit. But with this, I because I have no idea what they're saying, I can't get into it as much, and it's like the opposite effect. Um, I don't know. I think that that definitely has something to it. Uh, but since we're there, I, I mean, to me, I, I'd be curious to see what your ranking is. To me, it's just a shade under a 7. It's like a 6.75 with this curiosity factor built into it. Um, not my favorite album, but something I can easily listen to. And um, I still think I prefer Art of Life better, but that's just also because sometimes you prefer your first listen or your first you know idea of a band um, are you in the ballpark you might have this a little higher than I do
1: so, yeah a little bit higher uh, I had it a 7.25 um, okay. I just thought it, overall it was just a very enjoyable experience this, all the songs I thought were good there was no nothing really lagged or, or was um, you know like I didn't think there were any bad songs um, it was just a fun just a fun uh, listen. Um, and, and I, again, like as a lot of these episodes tend to be, it was, uh, you know, kind of like a history lesson, another, another like important entry in the, uh, the pantheon of, of metal albums that, I, that I think was, um, missing from my, my studies. Um, so I was glad to, uh, have been able to listen to it. So thanks to TJ for requesting it. Um, I, I, I found that like some of the some of the the reviews that um were quoted on, on Wikipedia did a really good job at, at kind of um explaining it. But my favorite was um Carl Bagay who uh, said He's a Canadian uh music journalist. He said Blue Bud Blue Blood is and will remain one of the few damn near perfect albums in my eyes for the simple fact it never lets up and never gets lazy, even when things slow down for a cheese ball ballad or two. Um and he said that uh Japan or uh uh x japan i was about to say japan x Um, (laughs) X uh he said that uh, x japan created some of the boldest music that he'd ever heard daring to thrash through tracks like x and orgasm serve up epics like rose of pain and cure and i and deliver a song like endless rain that elton john would be happy to call his own all on the same album so i thought that was uh really well put um and uh yeah this was this was fun Uh, i'm glad that we got to uh Glad that we got
0: to give it a listen. Nice. Um, I look forward to more requests coming in. Definitely keep them coming. Um, we have a laundry list, but we will get to them. I promise you. Uh, a couple news items, which I thought were definitely worth noting: Avantasia's release date for their new album, "A Paranormal Evening with the Moonflow." Oh, sorry, the Moonflowers Society. October 21st, needless to say, I am excited about that. Um, If the single that was released is any indication, this is going to be very, very good. Uh, so a couple of months away from that and then lacuna coil is working according to blabbermouth on their 10th studio album i can't believe they have that many albums at this point but they are going on tour in the u.s um this september i believe and will ultimately uh be releasing some sort of new music this fall uh as well so i look forward to that they are a band that like i've never loved them but i've liked a lot of what they've done if that makes sense
1: that makes p- complete sense. Um, I'm, I'm very pumped for the, um, the next Avantasia album. I feel like that they've really taken, and it might have something to do with Ed Guy kind of being on hiatus because of Avantasia's work, but it feels like they're doing some of their best stuff these last few albums. And I think maybe it's just because Tobias can be kind of uber focused on the one band. Um, but, um, it's always just exciting to see who's going to be involved and who's going to do guests. Um, we saw Ralph Sheepers from Primal Fear on that first single. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I'm always excited for, um, new advantage. And as far as lacuna coil goes, I-, I was flabbergasted. I was in the car yesterday driving back from dinner and I was listening to, uh, to satellite radio. And, um, uh what's was it liquid metal is that what i was listening to yeah liquid the liquid metal channel and um they had played uh the new lacuna coil single and then followed right up by a sabaton song which i'm fairly certain that was the first time i ever heard sabaton on the radio um so that was kind of a a cool surprise um but uh yeah i like um i always look forward to lacuna coil as well um just another band that I feel like is so timeless. They've been around since the mid nineties, I believe. And, um, just continue to, uh, to just churn out like good stuff. And, and, um, Christina, uh, Scabia is like beyond like, like, is like incapable of aging. I mean, I, I I was shocked when I found out that she was like, in her mid to late forties, because she looks like she's thirty years old, it's uh, it's very impressive. God, good, good genes, you good genes you
0: people have. I have to say, it's very, very <laughs> impressive. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm beyond jealous. So, congratulations for that. That should be for fun as well. And that brings us to next week. I feel like I have not. Uh, requested or I guess chosen an album in, in what seems like forever so I, I I wanted to kind of reassess where we're at and I said to myself we've done a hundred episodes uh, we've obviously done this extra uh, pan request but now it's kind of like a reset for 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 me anyway just because we crossed that 100 barrier and I realized we have not done any black Sabbath which I feel like is absolutely sinful and we've had requests for it so we're going back to the very beginning we're gonna do the first, Uh, Black Sabbath album from 1970 Uh, going back to February of 1970 we're going to do their debut album Black Sabbath. Uh, It is amazing that we have not talked about this band and we'll go from one singer that I didn't understand with X-Japan to another unintelligible singer with (laughs) Ozzy. I feel like it's a nice segue into what we'll be doing but I can't believe that this album came out 52 years ago. That is nuts.
1: I I have a fun uh, retelling of a, um, a story I heard on one of Chris Jericho's podcasts about, um, one of the songs from this album, but I'll save it for next week. But, um, yeah, this is an album that I'm not as familiar with as I should be. Um, so again, adding to the, uh, adding to the, the, uh, studies, um, of the, the stuff that I should be aware of. I, I think I have a, uh, I'm trying to remember which album i have one of their albums on on vinyl um you really yeah it might be paranoid but i'm not sure i'll have to go nice. check the uh the pile could be might be volume four i'm just looking at all the uh cover art and seeing what looks familiar um, <laughs> but i don't think i have the um i don't think i have the original album on vinyl um but uh yeah that's a cool choice i uh i look forward to that and it gives me Oh my God. It feels like, I mean, power quest wasn't really choosing an album. It was kind of taking the easy way out and choosing the whole band. So um, I'm going to have to put some thought into what I would, what we'll choose uh, next week. But um, yeah, I think we can finally kind of get back to um, our usual schedule uh, without, you know, metal festivals and, uh, and hundredth episodes and uh, <laughs> things like that getting in the way. So um yeah, you're right. It does feel like it's been a while since we've just done our our usual thing. So,
0: looking looking forward to getting back to it, and I feel like no better place to start than kind of where it all started, at least uh, according to many. So, Black Sabbath debut album next week, and I uh, hope you enjoy the week. And I will catch you uh, catch you soon. We'll 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 catch up and talk some uh, talk some early doom.
1: I, I find it very interesting how long we've managed to put off
0: doing a Metallica album but um it, the the streak continues. It continues, but I assure you not for long. It's 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 on the list and uh shout out to Keith we, we it will not be uh Saint Anger. Uh, but that, I, I digress. That's a story for a, another day.
1: No, I mean um I will say this. We'll do Saint Anger before we do
0: Lulu. Yes, I I I I can assure you I can assure you of that, 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 that I can't even listen to. So (laughs) sorry for another day. Uh, Enjoy the week, bud. I look forward to it. Uh, Enjoy the holiday weekend, everyone. And we will catch you next week with some uh, Black Sabbath. Weekend, weekend, (laughs) Take it easy, kid.